0: Dana Lash stands for the Second Amendment. Former NFL star Devin Still helps families facing cancer. And Newsboys United perform. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now...
1: Thank you very, very much. We have a terrific audience here in our theater, and we're so glad that you've joined us and hope you just sit back because we have a phenomenal show for you. Now, I'm just back from a couple of weeks in Israel where I led a group of Americans to see the land of the Bible. But Israel is also a modern-day miracle of democracy, high-tech innovations, and an economy that is on fire. This coming week, Israel is going to have its third election for a ruling party and prime minister just in the past year. Now you think our politics are rough and rocking? Well, their version ain't beanbag, I'm telling you. And given how contentious things are in America because of the presidential election this year, imagine having three of them in one year. No thanks. (laughs) But there is a very distinct parallel in the political climate of the two natural allies. In both Israel and the United States, the parties on the left have resorted to the lowest form of political engagement, not just to win, but to destroy the opposition. It's stunning to note the similarities. Now in all political conflicts, the ideal level on which the battle is waged is simply a contrast of policies. This is the most sophisticated and the most civil way that people in a free society actually choose their government. Do the proposed ideas and policies lead to a better economy, a better culture, and a better way of life? You see, it should be a battle of ideas. But if one of the parties can't present better policies and ideas, the next level of political warfare is just raw politics. Turn out loyal voters to your party even if the ideas and the people that they vote for won't necessarily improve anyone's life. And a part of that strategy is to intimidate voters on the other side, suppress their votes. But if that doesn't work, the only thing left to do is engage in vicious personal attacks on the opposing candidate and seek to destroy his or her character, reputation, and credibility. Sound familiar? Well, in both America and Israel, the left can't say their ideas lead to a better economy or more jobs or higher wages, greater levels of peace and security, or a better environment for innovation and prosperity. And when their best efforts to get their voters to the polls and when shaming or shunning voters for the other side or running them out of restaurants or jobs won't work, then it's left to physically attacking voters or threatening them because they wear some red hat or a sticker. Then when all that's maybe not worked, attack the opposing candidate personally and viciously. In America, it's a never ending attempt to smear President Trump through impeachment. In Israel, it's to indict the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, full disclosure, Prime Minister Netanyahu has been a personal friend for many years. He actually asked me to speak at a rally with him. Here's some of the nice things that he had to say about me.
2: Well, I'm very happy to be here with my friends. No greater friend in the world than Governor Mike Huckabee. Thank you, Mike. Please stand up. You deserve all the applause. (laughs) And Mrs. Huckabee. Thank you. No greater friend in the world. No greater friend. Uh, And he's... um, He's a soulmate. He really is. It's the common roots, the common values, and the common destiny. And, Mike, I want to thank you for years, decades, of fervent support for the Jewish state and the Jewish people, and for me personally, for me and for Sarah. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Well, I wanted you to see that, because nobody in America talks that nice about me. Nobody. I gotta go to Israel to get that kind of love. Well, Israelis are gonna be voting again and Americans are gonna be voting in a few months after the Democrats' demolition derby of their primary is finally over. And the left in both nations have given up talking about jobs, the economy, border security, regulation, wages, or optimism. They lost elections in both countries and they're wearing out their attempt to personally destroy an incumbent president or prime minister you can't stop the left from fighting dirty, but you can stop them from making it work by refusing to let them take you away from the best ideas and policies that are actually working for you and your family. That is the ultimate pushback from dirty politics. <laughs> My first guest tonight is a conservative firebrand, especially known for her staunch defense of the Second Amendment. She's also an award-winning radio host and author whose latest book, Grace Canceled, is about to shoot right to the top of the bestseller list everywhere. I want you to welcome Dana Lash. I love the title of the book, Grace Canceled. Thank you. Because I think that we're seeing a lot of of cancellation culture going on. Yeah. So is that one of the things you want to communicate is how we are saying, if you don't agree with me, I'm just gonna cancel you. I'm not gonna do yeah. business with you.
3: That's one of the things, the, the original title of this. And by the way, thank you so much for having me here. Oh, what a and delight this is, to have this you. Is a, I didn't even know until like a couple of days ago <laughs> that there was gonna be a studio audience. So this is actually really awesome.
1: We brought them in just for you.
4: That- <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's really awesome. And
4: they're wonderful.
3: Yes, the, um, the original title of this book actually, I was really fighting for forgiveness in the face of fury. Mm. And we ended up with grace canceled, which I really like. And I discuss in it, it's not just that we've lost grace in any kind of cultural or political discussion. It's that we deny redemption. Mm. We refuse forgiveness. And apologies are just a sign of surrender. It's not really anything meaningful. Uh, People usually, in politics, you see when someone apologizes, it's to satiate the rage mob. And the rage mob only demands it because they want to flex and show their influence. And so if nobody wants to really apologize and nobody wants to actually offer a pathway to forgiveness, then what's the point of it? And that's that's what the book touches on in, mm. in more ways than one, culturally and spiritually as well, because it's a faith-based book.
1: You were the spokesperson for the NRA for mm-hmm. a period of time. And right after the Parkland shooting, it was one of the most despicable things I've ever seen. And that is that you were on a stage, it was supposed to be a forum to actually talk about solutions and ideas. And it was a vicious personal attack on you, requiring you to have security just to get out of the building without being Yes. physically assaulted.
3: The entire flight down there, it was the longest singular prayer that I've ever prayed. <laughs> and when we arrived and I got off the plane and we got to the venue, I've never felt calmer in my life. Really? I have never felt more collected, more focused, more calm. And it's a good thing because mm. it you saw it. I mean, and there was a yeah. lot of stuff that wasn't seen. They had a political rally before the town hall program even started. And they were yelling all kinds of stuff. And I looked at my husband and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. This is going to be difficult for you to hear. No matter what happens, you cannot react. Hmm. You cannot react. If somebody throws a punch, if somebody spits, if somebody doesn't matter, you cannot react. you got to hold the line. And I'm like, I know it's going to be hard. So I was praying for him too. My 18-year-old is now a freshman in college. He watched Parkland and my younger son watch that town hall. And it affected my older son. And I didn't want him to think that there was so much hate out there that it was, that it led my reaction. And I told him, I said, look, you're never gonna control the way other people react. The power is in how you react. That is where the power Mm. is. And I wanted to show that you can snuff out the outrage and the hate with kindness. And when I'm telling people, yeah. That you need to maybe slow your roll, and as I say, I'm like the hair is on your arms should be standing <laughs> up. Your spiritual antenna should be up, like Tina Lash is telling us. Whoa, we got to slow down.
1: Well, I thought your uh, your whole presence and demeanor was truly remarkable, and I, I, I was it was hard for me to understand how you could sit there and have those kind of uh, really hateful things said and spewed toward you, but you remain calm, and, and I think it, it's kind of a a great reminder that we do need to have grace yeah. in our lives. but there's there's a seemingly lack of sense of humor
5: mm-hmm.
1: among a lot of people in the political realm. You know I, I take this stuff seriously, but I don't take myself that seriously. I just don't. But I find people, whatever I may say, whether it's in a speech or a tweet or whatever, people get angry. yeah, they're just they're ready to just go nuts. I don't understand that. I really don't.
3: I read a study uh, that was in this book that came out in 2017, and it was actually looking at the way that people respond to content online. And when people are outraged, it triggers a chemical release in the brain, and it's somewhat addictive. And Mm. people legitimately, I think, are addicted to outrage. There is a certain empowerment that comes from an individual being angry and having to put the fire of that anger out that, that takes the attention and it takes the focus. And it's a fast track way of false empowerment. And everyone is so, um, I think, focused on demonstrating what they like and don't like and what they can be outraged about that we have it's not all of us, but some of us I think have forgotten how to find that, that common ground and how to just not get uptight over every single thing and let's maybe extend a little grace to someone who is trying to figure out the complexities of a discussion. And have you noticed that as well, that we yeah. can't even have a multifaceted discussion anymore because people are too afraid that they're going to be cherry-picked to death? Uh,
1: no, I absolutely see it. And, and you and you talk about that in the book. Uh, the, the Outrage has become this sense of people like it. Yeah. They want yeah. it. And I don't get that. I really don't. And it's hard for me to relate to somebody who loves being angry.
3: Yeah, it's it's hard to keep up anger. And then and then what happens if, if something truly outrageous takes place? What you you've burned through all your reserves. How, how are you going to react to that? And I discuss in the book outrage is there's there is justifiable anger. Yeah. There absolutely sure. is. And there's there's justifiable outrage. But outrage should be spent wisely. This is not something that you sustain for long periods of time.
1: But how do we fix that, though, Dana? How how is it that we can sort of help people to realize that we don't have to shout at each other. We don't have to be angry. We can have strong opinions and we can express them.
3: I think the first thing, uh, and this is kind of my daily mantra, I say this every single day to myself and I'm I'm like, God, remind me, I do not have to attend to every fight to which I am invited. (laughs) Now, I like
1: them. I like that, that's good. I don't have to attend every
3: one. Maybe I can send a regretfully, you know, I can't be there. Um, (laughs) But just, you know, uh, you don't have to attend every fight to which you're invited Uh, because I think some people Really, just they—they they purpose, and you know this because you've—you've dealt with this all your life. Uh, they want a, they want a reaction from you so that it can create yet another set of headlines that they can sell ads on. They're going to sell ads on your outrage. Yeah. They're going to sell ads on everybody's outrage. It's clickbait. And um, the other thing, you have to be a happy warrior. Uh, it is—it can be so easily. You can just get so easily consumed by all of mm. this. You have to look for the silly stuff, and you have to be. You have to realize, and I, and I think we do this pretty well, but some diverse thoughts are great. I don't even agree with my husband 100% of the time.
1: You don't? No. For what? instance, he loads you the dishwasher
3: wrong. And I load it correctly. <laughs> and when you put a toilet paper roll on the holder, <laughs> it faces out this way. I even went up and found the patent for it. It faces out like this. So, that's how it goes on. <laughs> but... Some people are just going to think differently about some things, and that's okay. As long as we agree on the big issues, you know, life and the ability to defend yourself and liberty, I, you know, that's fine. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to take a—I'm I'm not going to get all bent out of shape on, on other things. that, that That's that what I leave for God to fix. Um, and I think, too— People need to realize, and some on our side, hmm. now we, we have to every now and then, we got to have a little come to Jesus moment with us, you know, <laughs> Yeah. some on our side think grace is sanction. Hmm. They think it's compromise. Yeah. And it isn't. I mean, you can have grace and justice. They can coexist together.
1: It's a great message. And I Thank love you. that you said that grace is not giving up. It's not surrender. It's not acquiescence. And a lot of people think that. It's a great book. You'll find Dana's book, Grace canceled everywhere books are sold. You can also go to danalash.com for her books, radio shows, columns, and a lot more. Follow Dana on Twitter, at D Look for the spelling on your screen, because if you spell it like you think you hear it, you'll never get it husband. right, so write it down. <laughs> now, if you're ready for my analysis of news events, be sure to visit huckabee.tv after the show, for my facts of the matter segment. I'm gonna be discussing uh, discussing the coronavirus frenzy, President Trump versus the New York Times, and a socialist move I think Bernie Sanders maybe should make. All of that is on Huckabee.tv right after the show. Well, Keith Bilbrey is standing over there doing something. I have no idea what, so maybe we'll ask him if there's some more coming up to the show tonight. Oh, you better
0: believe it. We have United States ambassador to Israel, David Freeman. Film stars Kevin and Sam Sorbo, former NFL player Devin Still, and platinum-selling rock band Newsboys United. They're all here tonight on Huckabee. Rock Positano celebrates Joe DiMaggio, and Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North premieres The Rifleman.
1: Well, as I said a little bit ago, I've just returned from a wonderful trip to Israel with many of you who watch our program. Now, one of the fun parts of the trip for me was playing a little rock and roll music one night in Jerusalem with our US ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. The ambassador has been an incredible asset to the United States in this role, a wonderful advocate for the United States representing us to the Jewish state of Israel. Now, after our mini concert, we sat down and we talked about relations between America and Israel. Mr. Ambassador, the president recently unveiled um, what has been called the deal of the century. Yet another plan for peace between Israel and specifically Palestinian people. Tell us what is in that plan and will it work?
2: So the most important part of this plan is that this plan does not impose upon Israel any incremental security risk, and you have to start with that. Because if you looked at the world 20, 25 years ago, you looked at the Gaza Strip, you looked at Lebanon, you looked at Syria, you looked at Iran, you looked at Iraq, the world is a different place. In every one of those neighborhoods, the risks have increased. So Israel has to be able to protect itself, to defend itself by itself. And this plan enables it to do that. The second thing is um, what this plan does for Israel is it enables Israel to absorb into its, into its country um, 500,000 heroic Jews who live on the front lines in the biblical heartland of the state of Israel. So when you think of, when you think I, my guess is that there are a few people here who are familiar with the Bible. Yeah?
1: I would like to yeah. believe that. I hope they would good. like to believe that. So if you you can
2: imagine, you know, in the past, the um, you know people would propose that Israel relinquish any rights to the city of Hebron, right? Which is what Abraham purchased Hebron. It's right in the in the uh, in the Book of Genesis. Abraham purchased Hebron to bury his wife. It became the burial place of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, uh, Leah, and Rebecca. Rachel was buried on the road to Bethlehem. Now, can you imagine asking the United States to give up the Statue of Liberty? or to give up uh, give up our, uh, our, our monuments, or to give up Valley Forge, or any of the, I mean, this is in the DNA of the state of Israel. This is the biblical heartland of the state of Israel. So whether it's Hebron or Shiloh, where the tabernacle rested for over 200 years, or uh, some of you may be familiar with, with Bethel, where Jacob laid under a rock, and he saw the angels rising up and down the ladder. Um, so we recognize that this is part of the DNA of the State of Israel, and we're the first administration to recognize that Israel needs to have sovereignty over this territory. Now, your question, will it work? You know, um, it's hard to go to a wedding when, you, when you're missing the bride, you know, and it's just, when, when you only have the groom without the bride, it's not gonna be a, a festive wedding. But, um, but what we've done is we've said, look, to the Palestinian people, you've been disserved by your leadership for generations. As you know, uh, President Abbas is in the 16th year of his four-year term. The, the, they have have not succeeded in establishing the types of democratic institutions that we all value, the types of things that would encourage Israel to feel that they can jump into the pool, that there's actually water in the pool. But the Palestinian people, um, you know, many people around the world are disserved by their leadership. This is one of the most extreme cases. And, what we have today that we didn't have 50 years ago, we can reach these people. You know, they're all sophisticated, they all have internet, they all have social media, and we're gonna sell this because this is the best uh, opportunity. I hope it's not the last opportunity, but it might be the last opportunity for peace between Israel and the Palestinians. It's, it's, it's a compassionate plan. Uh, it's a plan that's very forward-thinking with a lot of opportunity. It secures the state of Israel. It secures the biblical heartland and makes sure that People like all of you will, and your children, and your grandchildren, and their children, will forever be able to visit these types of places, whether it's Jerusalem, or Hebron, or El, whatever it is, that these opportunities will, will, will continue forever. And um, we're hoping that, uh, that, that, the, that the people that will be most affected by it will rise to the occasion.
1: When I see you, you look like you're still having a great time and loving this job. What's it like to be the ambassador? I mean, I have to believe, growing up as a rabbi's son, believing in this country and having a deep connection to it and understanding the importance of the state of israel for the jewish people being the ambassador has to be one of the coolest jobs a person could imagine
2: oh it's 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 incredible and it's completely god-sent i mean i can't believe that i ascended to this position i'll tell you when i was growing up so son of a rabbi my parents didn't make any money. My father loved life. He just loved being a rabbi to, uh, uh, he had a large congregation. And he was always happy and I said to him, "Dad, you know, what are you so happy about?" You know, all the neighbors are driving Cadillacs and Mercedes and we're in a 1965 Plymouth Fury and like, you know, this is what's so what's there to be happy about? You know, what's so good about this? And he said, "You know, I've really found something that gives me great purpose and meaning and it's bigger than it's bigger than that stuff and it just makes me happy." And I went through 35 years practicing law. And I never found that in the legal profession. It was a great job, and you know, I was able to support a family, give money away to charity, but it was never. And I always said, I have to find a way to really find something more purposeful more meaningful. And this thing came around, and boy, was this like out of the blue. But it really, uh, I'm, I'm totally convinced that this is the hand of God at work. I, there's no way this could have happened uh, on its own.
1: Well, I think we all agree with that 100%. And- before we close up the interview, I, I just want to ask you: Is there one particular memory, since being confirmed as ambassador, that sticks out in your mind as that that great moment?
2: You know, you're killing me because the book now no one's going to buy my book if I start.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They'll all buy it. Every one of them.
2: Yeah. Look, the. Um, there was one moment that I'll never forget. It was, and I, I, I'm not gonna go into too much detail because again, I'm not, I'm not one to, uh, to kiss and tell, but, um, but we had this one moment where the president really wanted to make a decision on Jerusalem. And it was, um, he was gonna make it that day. And um, he invited to the Situation Room in Washington, about it was only about five or six people. It was it was the Secretary of State at the time, it was Rex Tillerson. It was the Vice President. It was the Secretary of Defense. It was the head of the CIA. Um, Nikki Haley was on the, on the, on a screen from New York. I think it might have been the head of the uh, National Security Council at that time, General McMaster. And uh, what the president said was, "Okay, um, you know, you know, Nikki and Mike, I know you guys are are on board, you know, so, but I want to hear all the people that are against the." Um, the, the move of the embassy to Jerusalem. And you know David you've been my lawyer for a while so I want you to handle all the arguments when I want them to talk you respond they talk you respond I want all the arguments and I want you to respond to all of them. And so for about an hour I'm sitting there and I'm now I have an advantage because this is the only thing I care about right? I mean the secretary of state's got the world the secretary of defense has to deal with the world. I only care about this one issue so I'm <laughs> I'm obviously going to be preparing for it you know more than anybody else. Uh, And I was a decent lawyer, you know, in in my time. So, but just that one hour where the fate of Jerusalem was in the balance and I had, and it was my responsibility to advocate for the uh, Jerusalem embassy and Jerusalem being recognized as the capital. And I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I walked out of the room and I just could not believe the the, the seriousness of the moment that I had just gone through. And I'll, I'll never forget that.
1: Be sure to keep up with my friend, U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, on social media at USAMB Israel. Now, Keith, we're gonna leave the rest of the rock and rolling tonight to the Music City Connection over there, but we're gonna let you tell us what we have coming up next.
0: Well, I would love to. Next, Hollywood stars and real life sweethearts, Kevin and Sam Sorbo, then fatherhood and the NFL with Devin Still, and award-winning rock band Newsboys United are on tonight's Huckabee.
1: The late actress Audrey Hepburn once said that as you grow older, you will discover that you have two hands, one for helping yourself, the other for helping others. No matter which one you choose to use, I hope you'll call or visit Samaritan's Purse and give a generous gift to help those who cannot help themselves. And when you do, you're gonna discover the truth of that scripture in the book of Acts that tells us, there is more happiness in giving than receiving. Thank you so very much for sharing your blessings with others through the wonderful ministry of Samaritan's Purse. Well, my next guests are the busiest couple in show business, but they're always putting marriage and family first. They got a brand new book and it's called True Faith Embracing Adversity to Live in God's Light. Please welcome our good friends, Kevin and Sam Sorbo. It is great having you guys back. Uh, What a delight, I can't believe all the stuff you have going. Uh, movies, God, don't documentaries, don't books, all yeah. this stuff. Uh, when do you find time just to relax, When back? do I
6: find time to golf? That's the biggest problem for me, I think.
1: Where when I do you find go- time to have, you know, a wonderful thing. We, we, we talked tonight about mustard ice cream earlier tonight. Have you ever had any of that? I will not have that. You don't want it? No. I want to talk about your book, True Faith, because it's a yes. book about marriage and about love and keeping it together. And if anybody can keep it together. As busy as you guys are, there's a message here for everybody. What's the message? <laughs> Sam? The, mes- gonna...
7: the, the message is that it's worth it. The hmm. message is, you know, marriage is an expression of faith. And I don't mean that it's a Christian expression of faith. I mean that it takes a lot of faith to marry somebody and say, for the rest of my like, life, yeah. <laughs> dude, this is it.
1: <laughs> but it. But it's not that people who get married have a perfect relationship. I mean, there's struggles, are disagreements, are arguments, there. All kinds of challenges. That's part of what you talk about Absolutely. in here: adversity,
7: right? So embracing adversity to live in God's light is is the subtitle of the book, and the the book is about our struggles. We've been through struggles, you know. When when we first got married, he right before he suffered three strokes, we had to battle through that, but we battled through it together. And and what's great is when you when you do take on those battles together, with faith, and you overcome them, you emerge stronger, better. Uh, Just a stronger couple too. And so that's what we talk about in this book And we talk about a lot of things that have happened to us and miracles Mm -hmm. that have happened and Mm. um, uh, Some of the book deals with the making of the movie let there be light so uh, Sean Hannity has a chapter in the book Pat Robertson wrote the foreword for the book and uh, Yeah, it's just been
6: I I think one of the bigger problems we've made marriage as disposable as we've made human life. Yeah, and this book really is about where do you find that faith within yourself to fight through the problem? We're all going to have problems. We're all going to hit those walls in yeah. life and those, those blockades. And what do you do to work around them? And I, if you have a faith in God and a faith in Jesus, there's a way to work around it instead of trying to think the grass is always greener on the other side, because it's not.
1: I, you know, as I talked about when you came out here how many projects. One of them is a movie called Miracle in East Texas. We've got a little clip. I want to take a look at it. Awesome. That boy and David Edwards teamed up.
8: What these two old rascals realized is that while they weren't much good at actually finding or drilling for oil, they both possessed an unusual facility for convincing people that they could do just that because what they were selling was not oil. It was hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Widows were the mother's milk of the petroleum hustle. The only problem was they hid oil. What do you do? When a miracle exceeds your wildest dreams,
1: You will stand for
6: judgment. I'm, I'm more concerned with the Texas Rangers than the Holy Spirit.
2: we you both under arrest.
1: Miracle in East Texas. Yeah. When does that uh, release out to the world?
6: Well, um, hopefully we're going to release it uh, later this year, probably late summer, early fall. It's a true story set in 1930 about two con men played by myself and John Ratzenberger we got the amazing Lou Gossett Jr.'s movie as well. Sam's incredible in it. Tyler Maine, people know him from the WWF, but he's also um, uh, Sabretooth in all the X-Men movies. And it's uh, set in 1930, right in the heart of the Depression. This is a true story, mm. where they would woo uh, widows out of their money in fake oil wells through Oklahoma Texas. They end up striking oil as the largest oil find in the history of the world. We've won Truth. film festivals. We've won everything, the best romantic comedy, the best faith-based film, and everything in between. So it's a movie for everybody.
1: It's in the vein of Blindside. And I think people really uh, enjoyed like this movie. like a cross movie.
7: between Blindside and Green Book.
1: Green Book, yeah. I just think it's so powerful that the two of you using the talents that you have in film. Both of you have been in the movie business for a long time. But now you're saying, let's not just let somebody else tell their stories. Right. Let's tell stories yeah. that encourage and edify. While they entertain... Yeah. But they're also powerful movies, and the true stories are the ones that well, really ring. Been lucky enough to do a lot of those things. We yeah. started with What If, and then
6: God's Not Dead, Abel's Field, Soul Surf. I've been very fortunate to be part of these groups. It was great to see the Newsboys here. Yeah, because I, I got a great memory with these guys. <laughs> I got—we talked backstage. I got a great memory with them. Uh, it was about four or five years ago. It was actually it was about five years ago when God's Not Dead was coming out. That I got to go on stage at a, a Christian film festival. It was four days. They were the they were the big lead, you know, at the final, at the whole night. I walk on stage in front of about fifteen thousand people at nine o'clock at night. The flash bulbs are going. I felt like a beetle. This was so cool. And I got to introduce that group, which is such an amazing group, one of my favorites. So it was but quite we think, an honor.
7: We think that films can inspire and uplift. Yes. And so and we and we like the do. true story because a lot of the films coming out of Hollywood. Are, are sort of unattainable individuals, right? Uh, yeah. you, can't, you can't actually be Spider-Man. You yeah. can't be Iron Man. And so, but these people, these are real people. Yeah. And this is a story about forgiveness. And it's, it's beautiful to see forgiveness. And, you know, you just had Dana Lash on. Yeah. And the cancel culture. And the cancellation of grace. Mm-hmm. And we need to be fighting for those values because we are redeemable. We do have value. As human beings, we're, we're created in the image of God, and we have value. And so if we can breathe those, th- those values back into the culture, then that's what we seek to well, do. Well,
6: I told Sam, I said, I want to do movies, and you bench it, that I don't want to preach to the choir. I want the choir to support the movies we do. Yeah. But, you know, I look at, I, it's like, I, I look at agnostics like the independent voter, you know, and you go, go right, man, go right. <laughs> but, you know, so it, to me, that's sort of what, where the fight is with these movies. We've had people walk up to us and say, look, I'm an atheist. I don't really... Believe the way you do, but your movie, I really enjoyed it. And to me, that's a win.
1: That is a win. That's you know? a huge win because yeah. it's getting people's attention yeah. and and getting them in the foyer, if not all the way to the front row. Right, yeah. But right. eventually, they'll get there. Yeah. You've also got a project. It's a documentary. I mean, you know, you're going the full spectrum. You're doing mm. the feature film, Miracle in, in Texas, East Texas. Now you've got this one, uh, Climate Hustle, Part 2. Because Part 1 was, what, 2016? Uh, yes, it was. They did and very well, and we're doing the Fathom event. It's going to be out April
6: uh, April 21st. So I hope people can check that out as well. And So they go to a theater. Yes.
1: They see Climate Hustle. So tell me, what do you mean by Climate Hustle? Because I think we're being hustled, and I think you know
5: that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so...
1: <laughs> I, I know I'm going to
6: undo myself more to the Hollywood elite out there, but <laughs> I just call it weather folks. I mean <laughs> the, what, what's great about this um, documentary? it really is it's very educational. yeah I mean, They put a lot of humor in it to show you said, you know what guys, there's two sides of every single story. It's actually three sides, right? Yours, mine, the cold hard yeah. truth. <laughs> but um, this is a wonderful way to show the hypocrisy that's coming out through the media and through people that uh, go crazy. They get so angry about it. And uh, we spent through a people?
1: trillion dollars on this over the last, you know, 20 years. Let's let's and watch a clip. Wait. I'm gonna see let's, it so everybody yeah. can see what we're, we're gonna be watching. All right.
6: Climate activists know that dire global warming predictions are not supported scientifically, but they are still attempting to maintain the illusion by any means necessary. Now you're not
5: endorsing dismantling physically a violation of the law or any kind of eco-terrorism, are you? By any means necessary. We would support who I think they should be in jail. I think they should be enjoying three hots and a cot at the Hague with
1: all the other war criminals who are there. I wish that there were a oh, law. Oh, you could punish them under. That's going to be a very fascinating event because you talk to all kinds of people, Robert oh, yeah. Kennedy Jr. and some oh, yeah. very strong people who think the Green New Deal, where we yeah. all, uh, you know, quit Shriveling riding and cars and planes. <laughs> and I guess we swim to Hawaii if we want to go there.
6: Yes. That's a long swim. Well, you know, President Obama said, you know, he was a big supporter of it. And he
1: just bought a $12 million home right in the ocean. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess he's not worried about it right now. Not until year 13, <laughs> so, yeah. then boom, yeah. it's all gone. <laughs> Uh, you know, but I, I think it's important to expose some of the really uh, irreconcilable differences between fantasy yeah. and reality when it comes to stuff. We all want to be good stewards of the planet. Of course. No God question. made this. We want to take good care of it. That's right. But we don't want to worship the creation. Yeah. We want to worship the creator. Big difference. And I think yeah. that's what you guys are. Are uh, putting well, forth and, in the film, and
6: that's what it does in, in this documentary. It really does. It, it doesn't. It's not going after any single groups. It's just saying, overall, guys, look, there's two sides. Please take
1: a look. You decide for yourself. Well, it's a fathom event coming in April, and uh, the book, which we've talked about, True Faith, it's available online. You can find the accompanying free devotional at Sam's official Facebook page at Sam Sorbo. Now you can get more information about their upcoming films, Miracle in East Texas, and Climate Hustle Two. But you got to go to the films' websites. They are on your screen, so take a screenshot of that with your camera or just write it all down and follow the Sorbo's on social media. Now, if you're in a mood for a little laughter, and why wouldn't you be, be sure to check out my In Case You Missed It segment. It'll be after the show on Huckabee.tv. We have a mustard flavor ice cream taste test. We'll talk about the Leaning Tower of Dallas, not Pisa, and we've got some things you will not believe that people tried to sneak past customs. So join me for In Case You Missed It. That's after the show on Huckabee.tv. Hey, Keith, how are you going to beat having Kevin and Sam Sorbo right here on the show tonight? Well,
0: football star and amazing father, Devin Still, for starters. Then later, the award-winning rock band Newsboys United are on tonight's Huckabee.
1: Can we hear it for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection? Wonderful, wonderful house band. We're happy to have him. Well, my next guest came from humble beginnings. He was the first in his family to graduate college, became a star NFL defensive player, survived a near fatal back injury, then endured the heartache of watching his daughter battle cancer. He's learned life can have a fourth quarter lead, but the game isn't over until it's over. I want you to welcome my next guest, Devin Steele. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. So happy to have you. Brand new book that you've just come out with called Still in
4: the Game. A lot of
1: people quit the game.
4: Why didn't you quit? Because I knew there was time still left on the clock. That As long as my daughter was alive, as long as I was alive, I still had a chance to make my comeback. Was it hard to accept when your daughter had cancer? Were you angry and bitter at God for a while? Yeah, because actually I I got baptized two months before my daughter was mm. diagnosed with cancer. So I was trying to walk down a new path in my life. And for something like that to happen, I really questioned my faith. But I feel like God brought me to him at the right time. Because if I didn't have faith during my daughter's battle with cancer, I don't think we would have made it through. You know, I think a lot of times we have different things in our lives. But I don't think anything is more devastating right. than something happening to our children. right. I mean, that, that's the worst of all. Right. Because I, I think as a dad, you you make that promise to be that provider and that protective of your child. And when, you know, my daughter got diagnosed with cancer, I felt like I failed as a father because I couldn't protect her for what that mm-hmm. disease was going to do to her. You
1: know, it, there's no, obviously no failure on your part.
4: Right. You, you'd had your own battles. Well, I, did. I I mentioned in the intro, you almost died during back surgery. Right. Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I decided to take my walk of faith because that year, I went through a lot as far as dislocating my elbow in the game, blowing out my back. Then I almost died from multiple blood clots in my lungs. So my wife suggested that we get back to church and try to build a relationship with God. And that's when we decided to get baptized together. And in two months, I faced the biggest challenge of my life. One of the things that happened as a result of, of being vigilant
1: with your daughter You created a foundation, Still Strong Foundation. That was a direct
4: response to uh, going through that process, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I spent a lot of time in the hospital, and while I was there, I watched a lot of kids in their hospital rooms by themselves, fighting cancer by themselves, because they came from single-parent households, and their, their mom or dad had to leave to go to work. And I just thought that was... It's already tough as a kid to have to battle cancer, but to have to do it alone, is mm. not fair. So I decided to start this foundation where we pay those household bills and keep families in the hospital fighting together. Wow. So th- that allows the parents to come to the hospital. Yeah. What a wonderful, beautiful thing to do. You know, a lot of people would have just
1: looked and said, well, hey, it's not my problem, it's not my kids, not my family. I, I mean, God gave you a real heart for people yeah. that you didn't have any responsibility for. That, that-, that must have been something that was overwhelming to, for these families to experience it's that tough. kind of help.
4: It's tough because I, I had access to a lot of resources playing in the NFL, but a lot of these families, they don't. And I noticed that a lot of these families, they were voiceless. Nobody cared about what they were going through. And I believe that I was given a platform, not for myself, but to, you know, share the message of other people who don't have that platform. Your your book is called Still in the Game, but you've created something called Playmaker University. It's on your shirt, but it's, yeah.
1: it, it's to help people get in the game. What game is it? Playmaker University helps them get into.
4: It's the game of life. You know, I wanted to create a university where I can give people the mindset and the tools that they can overcome whatever obstacles that they're facing in their life. I believe that everything that leads you to success is through resiliency, Mm -hmm. right? You can be the smartest person, you can be the most talented person, but sometimes life tests just how bad you say, how bad you want something when you say you want it. You have to be resilient in order to get it. I think it's a great message because perseverance
1: and persistence is often what makes the difference between somebody yeah. who succeeds and somebody who just gives up and says, I can't do this anymore. Clearly, yeah. you have understood the power of being still in the game. What a great message yeah. and a timely message for everyone of this country. I'm really grateful, Devin, to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Devin's book, Still in the Game, available at all major booksellers. You can visit devinstillinthegame.com. To learn more about Devin, his mission, and Playmaker University. You really owe it to yourself to get off the bench in your life, get into the game of helping others. Keith, we got some more big playmakers here tonight. You might just tell us who they are. Oh, I can't wait.
0: Coming up, get making rock and roll artists Newsboys United on Huckabee.
1: Welcome back. I love these guys who are my next guest. They are one of the most influential bands in all of Christian rock music. Over 30 years ago, they formed in Queensland, Australia. Hits like, We Believe, He Reigns, and the mega hit, God's Not Dead, have proven their talents. And over the years, band members, Peter Furler, Phil Joel, Michael Tate, Duncan Phillips, Jeff Frankenstein and Jody Davis have revolved in and out of the group. But tonight, they're all here. I want you to welcome Newsboys United. Welcome. (laughs) You know, I think you brought your fan club with you. Oh, man. You know, first of all, this is kind of a, a wonderful thing. 30 years, different guys have come in and been out of the band and, you know, taken time off. Uh, This is like the family reunion. You're calling it Newsboys United. How did that happen to get everybody back together? Michael, I'll start with you on that.
8: Well, we know, of course, Peter Furler and I and, uh, of course, D.C. Talk. Back in the day, if you knew D.C. Talk, you knew the Newsboys. And uh, we've been buddies for a long time. Our first tour ever in the country with these guys was D.C. Talk, Newsboys, on the New School Jam back in the, um, a while ago.
5: 1700.
8: (laughs) 1700. (laughs) And and so we became fast friends. So Pete took a break about 11 years ago. Yep took a break, he produced all the records, wrote a lot of the songs, and uh you just get worn out, you know? And so we were frenemies back in the day, never thought I'd be the lead singer of this band, you know, any band yeah. besides Newsboys. <laughs> and so, but I say God works in mysterious ways and mischievous ways, because I ended up being the lead singer, and uh, we're working on a song called The Cross Has the Final Word, and Pete came in and produced part of it, and kind of does what he does best, administered administrated the song, and he sang on it, and then... No, no big plan a record label. which just right. kind of, it just kind of, what, well, Pete, kind of
1: happened. After yeah, that. it just happened. So, Peter, you you were in the beginning of the whole vision for Newsboys when it started in Australia, which a lot of people don't realize that you guys started down under. It started in his parents' garage. True story. No kidding, a Bandit. true garage band. We were a garage band. Our neighbors hated us. (laughs) (laughs) I bet they don't hate you now. (laughs) 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 I hope not. I have officially apologize to our neighbors. Yeah, that's right. When I was a teenager in the, unfortunately, 60s and 70s, (laughs) it was Christian contemporary, Christian rock music that kept me interested in, really in the Word of God and kept me interested in church at all. And I'm (laughs) grateful that guys like you communicated in the vehicle of the day, so that a lot of young people did not just say, well, there's nothing here for me. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. God bless you, for giving a musical yeah. connection to people. Yeah. Want to talk about the single, you got a brand new one out called Love One Another. That seems kind of timely yeah. for these days. Yeah. <laughs> talk about uh, the message of that, of that song, Love One Another. I grew up in a family with a lot of
8: love, nine kids, pastor mm. for a dad, a cab driver for a dad and a pastor. Great mom. And dad said, uh, the beauty of the human race is found in the diversity of the human race. We, we are mind God's mind. bouquet. And uh, colors okay. don't hate, it turns out, Governor. Yeah. People do.
1: That's a great, you know? great quote. And so, may I quote you on you that? Yes. It, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody it was my quote, yeah, but I'll yeah, say, yeah.
8: yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> but Pete penned the
8: song. And, and he, one day we were on a, on a radio tour. He goes, check this song out. They call me Tate, my last name. And, and I said, huh. okay, I'll check it out. And I, he goes, I'm not sure about it. I go, Pete, I love this song.
5: And then what happened after that? Well, we you ended up, yeah, that. we ended up recording the song. But I think for us, uh, especially at this time in America and the world, it's very divided. Mm. And that was yes. another thing that really gave us uh, the inspiration of doing, of coming back together and joining. Because here you have, although I picked Mike to be the new lead singer because he looks like me, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you we know, are really different. Yeah, I, had actually, to, I had to get a cue really card really to make people. sure I knew <laughs> which, who was who here. But you know, all of us in the band, we're from different <laughs> countries, uh, yep. different ideas and, you know, yeah. like anybody, but we yet we find the common good with each other and, yes. and, and focus on that. And we really love each other, uh, even though we're completely different. So we're a testament to that.
1: You guys are on tour, the Greatness of God tour. Uh, Mandisa is a yes, part of that. Yeah. who is yeah. just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how many cities are you going to hit in this tour? Duncan, what can we got? Yeah, we're at about 40, I think, yeah. um, in the spring. All through the spring, we've
5: got about 40 dates. And then we'll continue on during the summer. We've got a bunch of festivals that we do during the summer yeah. and, and you know, Newsboys will be doing a bunch of dates in the fall. So,
1: You know, I want to say to all of you, I, I think one of the appeals of Newsboys, the energy that you bring to the music. When, when I watch you guys, you're still having a good time. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're just out there and, okay, we got to do another show. Here we go. <laughs> you guys are still giving it all you got. And that energy is electric, yeah. and it is communicating and connecting to the audience. There's no doubt in my mind, but that's one of the ways that I think God is using you. Yeah to say to people, there's joy yeah. in this yeah. world That's ours. right,
8: that's right. If yeah. you think about it, the Stones can still do it, what, what is Mick Jagger, <laughs>
1: 70 <something? Yeah. laughs> He's 97 years <laughs> old. He's, uh, and Keith died 40 years ago, oh, but he doesn't I know guess. it yet. He doesn't know but that's no, that's he's fun. still out there. They're rocking the house. He's yeah. amazing. So I, we're just I, babies. We're just getting started. I cannot tell you how grateful we are to have you here. You. This Thank is you. a Thank big you. honor for us. But, you know, we didn't bring you here just to talk. Brought you here to make some music, so we're going to do that, aren't we? All right, for more information about the Greatness of Our God tour, go to newsboys.com. You can listen to Newsboys United's latest music at Apple Music and Spotify, and then after the show, go to huckabee.tv. We have an exclusive music performance of Greatness of Our God, and I'm going to tell you, you are going to love it. Well, right after the break, Newsboys United are going to return to perform their latest hit, Love One Another, so you better Stay tuned.
5: Just do it.